This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Um, as always, you're joined with myself, Michael Stockley, and I'm very happy to say, Dan Buxton, welcome back to the podcast, mate. How are you? I'm pretty fine, thank you, mate. It's happy to uh, be kicking off season three of this podcast with you tonight. Uh, yeah, fixtures are out, exciting. It's like Christmas Day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is and you know you said season three and obviously i messaged you earlier on and said my god season three did you really think i mean i didn't think we'd be still going you hope you know when you set these things up you hope it'll still be going but um i think you know i'm awfully proud of, of what we've done so far to be honest and um you know we've we spoke to some amazing people no doubt there's more in the future but uh it's pretty incredible to think that people are still listening in quite quite large numbers three seasons in mate yeah, amazing. We got to episode three, let alone series three. <laughs> I know. When well, you listen back to those first couple of episodes and all that, you're like, oh, that's a bit cringy at times. But <laughs> the joys of podcasts, eh? Um, We've grown. <laughs> we have. We absolutely have. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone who's been listening in, in, the, in the last few pods. We have done a few specials. If anybody hasn't listened to it, then by all means go back you know if you subscribed you might have got the notification maybe you just haven't found time uh there's been a, a tony warrington um kind of one that's been done as well uh so you know, have it have a listen back to that uh if any of missed you well if any of you have missed it really uh, we've got ben wilmot who again we spoke to um i don't know it was probably a month or so ago now feels only yesterday but that was a great podcast um so yeah there's, there's a lot there to keep you entertained while we wait for these pre-season fixtures um, and I guess really then, Dan, to kind of kick off, if, if you like, I mean, we're recording this now Thursday night. Uh, the fixtures have been released for the coming season. Um, what was your initial reaction when they were released at nine o'clock? Because I'll be honest, m- my first ones were, oh, I like that. Not a bad start. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, we sort of had a bit of, been told a bit of conflicting stories about whether we could be at home or not first, weren't we? So I was surprised we were at home first uh, you probably were less so because you'd been told that there was no issue with that um, obviously there isn't because we are <laughs> um, but yeah rather than at home I, I liked it yeah 
they're not they're not a, um, they're not a promoted side, but they are a side that I feel that we can go and beat and get ourselves off to a start. And I think we need a positive start to the season. I think the first three or four games are all winnable, and I think that's ideally what Alex Neil would have been looking for. Isn't he? That he wants to get a good start, get some momentum going, get some good feeling behind the place because there's going to be a ma- there's been a massive overhaul, or there will be by the time the season kicks off. And if he can start the ball rolling early doors with it, then people will get behind it. It's not same old Stoke. It'll be this is new Stoke. This is Alex Neil Stoke, and it's be different. Yeah, and I, I totally agree because. We know how bad our home form was last year. It's quite atrocious, as bad as I think I, I actually ever remember it being, if I'm honest with you. Even in worse times than we're actually experiencing now, we never felt this bad for home form. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think if we'd... It's positive, and I don't, I'm not going to start off a negative here, right? So, you know, yeah, Rotherham at home, fine, great. We've obviously now we've learned that we've got West Brom straight after that and the Carabao Cup. So, you know, there's a couple of home fixtures and, and I just hope we can use that to our advantage Dan because it's this could go one of two ways if we win both of them games maybe any nervousness that well whatever players are left from last season has uh, you know settled down a little bit um, I think the worst thing that could possibly happen I think is that we lose both home games and then people's nerves are are a little bit, uh, not shot, but they're a little bit um, on edge, shall we say. Uh, I think that is a is, is a real risk. And obviously, we are going into a new season, as we know, with a hell of a lot of players that, are, of course, are yet to sign, but we're going to be going into a hell of a lot of players. And there's no way that they are going to be jowled and ready to go for that first game. So we didn't really want to go to a Southampton away or a Leicester away or whatever it was in those games where we're still trying to get ourselves in a shape of some kind. So I actually, I agree with you. I think Rotherham, in theory, is very winnable. We don't know what type of Rotherham is going to turn up this season, obviously. But I think, it's, I agree with you, I think it's a very good, positive start. We couldn't have actually asked for any better, I don't think. No, I think like in the first, what, eight or nine games, August and September... Um, on paper, when you look at them, we we there aren't there aren't any ways in. We're looking at anything from that. Probably Ipswich away is the first away game. It's probably the toughest of the lot, I'd say, um, purely because it's that place is going to be bouncing into the first game back in the championship. They were absolutely flying the second half of last season. They've got a manager who's come in, hit the ground running. Like I say, they've they've been they sweeping teams aside. We're in the League One. They'll fancy their chances to come up into the championship and easily stay up. And yeah, that first game, purely on that sort of momentum that they've that they'll carry through, yeah, will be will be tough. Um but you would expect a, you know, a team like Stoke to have players that can match that. And like you say, it's whether they gelled in time and whether they can, you know, mentally stand up to that kind of uh, environment. You can also say though that the shackles are Kind of off. I mean, any any new player coming in, which we know there's going to be, crash probably at least ten. They're all going to have something to prove. So you can also say that that's actually going to work in our favour. You know, then it's not like we've got a hangover from last season, which was disappointing, and we've only signed. Actually, I think Alex Neil said it today, only signed three or four players. Where 
the first thing on their mind and the first thing that Alex Neal's going to say is, well, we had bad form last year at home. Let's really turn it around this year. You know, he, he might bring it up in conversation. He doesn't need to do that. He can completely forget about the home form. You know, I'd like to see him come out and try and galvanise the fans. I think the obvious way to do that is just to go and sign some quality players. Easier said than done, as we all know. Um, but they... They need to get a lot right over the next couple of weeks. I know he said he's hoping to have people in for the for the preseason, and Christ, I bloody well hope so. I mean, how, how much later can they can they leave it really? So, yeah, um, there's, there's plenty there's plenty of opportunity. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I think we we're back. We've sort of gone back, haven't we, to um, the years when sort of Tony Pulis was here under sort of the Icelandic ownership, where. And it probably our early days in the Premier League when we were always trying to sign players who, if we were honest, we weren't their first choice. Joey, we were looking at what budget have we got? We're always reaching and hoping that nobody else, though they didn't get the move that they thought they might get. So they were hanging on, hanging on. And I remember on the show, there were so many times on the on the train purist that those seven days before the first game, you would just go bam, 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 bam. You've you've signed four or five players. And it's like, well, half your squad's coming in the week before the season started, because then players have been sat waiting, thinking, oh yeah, yeah a team, you know, if you were a mid if we were mid team in the championship, or well, a top six team I think a top six team will come in for me, or bottom half the Premier League team will come in for me. Hasn't materialised. Well, I'll sign for Stoke. They're still they're hanging on, and I think as much as people turn around and say, "Well, if a player don't want to be here, or if he doesn't want to commit, then I don't want him," that's not how football works. Is this? If you, you know, if you do feel that that there's interest levels above, and you can earn more money, play at a higher level, of course you're going to wait on for a few weeks, aren't you? And Stoke, if they know this player is going to walk into the first team and improve them, then they will probably wait, you know, with a plan B in place. They will they will wait for that plan A. Well, that's just it. I, I, want, I want players who want to play for this club, mate. I've had enough of journeymen who just want to come for a payday or... As you said, oh, you know we're not we're not first choice, and you know what? For a lot of players, we probably won't be first choice, and on most occasions, like I saw, what was it? I'm trying to think who who we've been linked with um, today. My mind's gone blank. Uh, Birmingham, one team, and and we want him. Uh, God, for the life of me, is it Sims? Have I completely missed that? Yeah, uh, yeah, we think Charlie Sims. I mean, people saying, oh, you know, when obviously we must be more attractive than Birmingham, but I'm like, must we? I mean, yeah, okay, in theory with a bigger club and all that nonsense but again I think sometimes people forget we've been a mid-table club for the last what five years um, nothing special whatsoever we aren't anything special and I know people don't want to hear that but right now we're we're a nothing mid-table club um, you know, with many, a great background how many other clubs in this league are ex-Premier League and think they've all got a God-given right to be in the Premier League like we're always positive Stoke fans aren't we Dan but we like to be realistic as well you know we're just a mid-table club right now we've got a lot of building to do yeah I mean let's be honest how many of this how many teams in this league have been in the Premier League you know since we've been relegated probably I'd imagine you know more than a handful <laughs> I reckon there will be seven or eight. You think we've been down, what, 
this is our fifth, sixth season, sixth season now. So I reckon yeah, you're probably talking seven or eight clubs who are in the championship now who've been in and been relegated after we did. So yeah, yeah. they think their finances are probably higher levels than we are because of what you're allowed to spend. Yeah, and Stoke, as great as the owners are, and that they, they can only put in what the rules allow them to, you know, and it's all about money you make. They put exactly there, you know, what they can, and you have to commend them as well because they could easily just whack 100 quid on a season ticket and say, you know what, we need the money because if, if you want to see the players here, you know, you, we've got to bring the money here, we've got to up the income so we can spend more. But, you know, they haven't done that. They've resisted the age to do that, so they, you know, they ploughed all the money that they can themselves without pushing on the fans as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how, how, how all this pans out. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to probably transfer rumours in a, in a bit. I mean, you, you mentioned the first handful of games, Dan. I mean, I, I very briefly mentioned it then, but the Carabao Cup with West Brom, um, it's one of them, same division. It's going to be a Wednesday night evening kickoff under the, under the floodlights. I love that. Uh, well, I just know it's summer, so it probably still won't be quite pitch black at that point. But still, you know, I love a, love a good midweek match. Um, are you happy with West Brom? Would you have preferred to have, let's, let's just, I don't know, a lower a lower division club, Some, something that might be a little bit easier in theory, or you're not really that bothered about the Carabao Cup? You really just want to focus on the league this year? I was like, go on, I stood, I stood next to Mitch Ryan's a Vale fan, and Vale was still in it at that point, were they? So I was looking at him, I was like, 25, you reckon? Maybe 25? I, I don't know if I wanted that, but um, yeah, it's silly. He came out and my shoulders sort of slumped a bit, and I was like, oh, team in the same division? It's a bit boring. So I like the Carabao Cup first round. Well, yeah, we've been, we've been, I've been away. Watch Stoke play away at uh, Rochdale, away at Leighton Orient, away at Barry. You know, grounds that you, you know, lower league grounds that you don't get a chance to go to. Um, yeah, that's it's sort of. So I like it when we sort of get drawn away in that kind of game. Obviously, it wasn't to be this year. It was compounded as well because about two, three draws later, uh, Vale were drawn at home to Fleetwood and made they made next to me did the same exactly the same thing. He's like, oh, the moment <laughs> after seeing like Stoke come out and Leeds were at home and all this, and he was like, oh, come on. And then, so neither of us were happy to be honest. No, I, I, um, I think it's a it's a shoulder shrugging game. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. Um, you know, you hope you go through. You got the home advantage. If if that's an advantage again, well, time will tell whether that's an advantage or not. Um, but I don't know. I don't think we will change the team all that much because at that point we haven't got a clue what our best team is uh, still. So I think he will use that as a as a way of playing his strongest eleven or what he thinks it will be his strongest eleven. I. Maybe I mean it depends if Sarkic comes in. Just for example, in goal, I was going to say maybe we'll rest the goalkeeper, but we'll we'll have a new goalkeeper, so we won't want to rest him. I reckon it will be it'll be the same strongest eleven against Rotherham, strongest eleven against West Brom. I, I can't see him changing it. Uh, it's, my, it's my gut. Do you think anyway? Even obviously with Ipswich just a few days later, do you think first game of the season he fancies the team to play three ninety minutes in a week straight off the bat? I mean, I think well, well, we're going for younger players, aren't we? Younger, fitter players, apparently. So he's going to have to go running on their mills. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, hearing, bring him in six-week contract, fitness coach. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a fair point. Like, will he will he do it three times? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what is it? What? Yeah, three days later into Ipswich. Um, do you know what? We'll it see. might it might depend on the results against Rotherham. If they beat Rotherham. 
he might just do a few more changes thinking, well, you know, regardless of this result, we've won the league game. But if they lose to Rotherham, he might be like you were saying earlier on, if you lose to Rotherham, he might be thinking, you know what, I'm not sure I fancy losing this, this game as well. Well, no pressure will be on. I mean, that's just it. Now, Especially at home as well, back-to-back home games, start the season. Exactly that. Back-to-back home games, he needs some... He needs a good start. I'm not saying he's under pressure from the beginning. That's just ridiculous to think that. But there's still an element of pressure as in you've now had your chance to build your team. And yes, you might not be finished on the 9th of, you know, an end of August, but um, he can't afford, say, the first, what, five games, five you know, league games, including the Cup. He can't have played 5-1-1. That will not go down very well. And especially if it's just a win against Rotherham and you go and lose the rest or... You, know, you might get a point here or there. That won't be acceptable, probably to the owners and the fans. And straight away, you then start going into September, and then, which is, it's a bit, I don't know, it's not a scary September, but we, we said the same thing as we look at October's fixtures. In theory, that is a brutal month, and I put that post out. That is brutal. So, you know, Southampton at home, Leicester away, Sunderland at home, Leeds at home, Middlesbrough away. That is a ridiculously, in theory, difficult month. So we need to get points in August and September to not be constantly thinking, oh, crap, bad start, fourth from bottom with whatever points. Now we're going into October with this fixture list. A lot of people have said, wouldn't it be typical bloody Stoke to go and win four or five of those October games? So this is... It's weird until I say, you look at those August, September, there's nine games... Not one team who has either been relegated from the Premier League or finished in the playoffs in the Championship last year. Last season, we lost the seven corresponding fixtures, first seven. And then you get into October, and like you say, you can play the three relegated clubs and two sides who lost in the playoffs. And we're knowing Stoke, knowing how we went in say, March of that this year, that kind of run again, just go bang, 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 bang. Yeah, what's all the fuss about? You've got five wins out of five, mm. and you're, you're back off. That would be typical Stoke. I mean, that that to me is the key month. I think if you get a if you get a good start, August September, which under Michael O'Neill, the two seasons before that, you know, before Campbell got injured, before Sutar got injured, we were actually in the top two or three at you know, that stage of the season, October, November, weren't we? In both seasons, so you know we're not we're not been adverse to having a, a good start to the season in recent times. No, but I think if we do in August and September, then that October there will probably define where we go as a squad. Because if if we play them five matches and you know we pick up two points from fifteen, I think the whole mentality of the squad will be well, we're all right, but we're obviously not good enough to be up there, won't it? But if we can if we can get a momentum going into it and we can win three out of five games there, then they'll think, yeah, we probably belong in the top six or we're gonna be challenging, let's keep it going. So that you know, like I say, if we can hopefully get a good start and then October for me will be like a bit of a crossroads for the season. Yeah. And and again, if we haven't had a good start, Alex Neil will be looking over his shoulder because he'll have spent money, he's had time to get his team embedded and he's gonna go into it. A festive period. Um, well, a lot of eyes on him, to be honest. And if you look at that December, I mean, how many games is that in December? Let's have a look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games um, in December. And I know we're not going to go through every single match. We're just going to kind of put a couple of highlights. And if please feel free to stop me if there's any other games you want to discuss prior to this. But, I mean, obviously the ones that people were looking out for were 
of things like Boxing Day, of course, which is away to Birmingham. Um, Good for the fans. I mean, how many times have we, you know, had midweek games? I mean, obviously, you know, you look at the obvious games, Southampton, Plymouth, um, teams like that, Swansea, Cardiff. You don't want to go, you know, distances on Boxing Day. And for once, we're actually local. So for once, the fans have actually got a decent trip. Um, I'm happy about that, to be honest. I think a lot of Stoke fans will be. And yeah, okay, New Year's Day. Again, we've got Ipswich, but again at home. I just think we've landed on a couple of good fixtures over the best yeah. periods for once. I think fan-wise, we can't grumble, can we really? Um, so like you say there, we've we really landed on. We've got home on the first day, home on the last day. Nice home day, home game on New Year's. Local Boxing Day. Um Easter, it's home Easter Monday. Hull's not, you know, it's not, it's not a local local, but it's not a million miles away either. Um, on Good Friday, so you know all the, all the sort of you know the times when you you don't want to be travelling too far. I imagine all would have, all would have said it would have been nice to have. Um, I think Ipswich and Millwall away games in August and that, and the kids are off and that, and you could have maybe made. Would have been nice to maybe get down to Plymouth or somewhere so the weekend, but you never, never, you can't have it all, can we? <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, like away games. You know, me and you, we we always like to try and get to an away game um, and stuff like that. I mean, is there any particular away games that that you quite fancy this year? I mean, I always like you know the Northwest games and going to teams like you know Blackburn and Coventry and things like that. Are there any further afield? Do you fancy a I don't know, a midweek trip to, trip to Plymouth or Southampton? I'm assuming the answer is no, because, Christ, can you imagine going to Southampton in midweek? You'd be back at like three or four o'clock in the morning if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, I fancy, um, obviously, time and, uh, time and financial thing aside, I'd, I'd love to go all of them, but I think I'm going to make concerted efforts to go to Leicester in October. Um, that's a Saturday, it's a week before the international break as well, so... You know, it uh, fills a bit of a gap there. Uh, Coventry in November, and then they've got West Brom the week before Christmas, 16th of December. So they're the three before Christmas I think I'd definitely like to uh, to get to. Can I just point out that uh, my birthday's on the 10th of December and we have Sheffield Wednesday at home on the 10th of December. So if you're feeling generous, I will let you buy me uh, like a, a present of some kind, you know, maybe the Stanley Matthews. Sweet or you know what of sweet or whatever whatever I'll I'll, I'll let you. I knew the Stanley Matthews sweet. <laughs> the whole yeah. thing. Apparently. The whole thing. Yes. Yeah, don't don't bloody cut any corners, mate. I'm I'm, I'm 35 this year, which feels. I'm not 35. <laughs> I think I'm 35. I've lost count. Um, but yeah, we we're, we'll have we'll have to do something. When, when's your birthday? July the 20th. July 20th. So where are we? Um. Oh. Yeah. The Derby two days later. <laughs> Oh, you're quite you're quite lucky actually. Um yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm away as well for my birthday. Oh, that get, back, get back on the Friday. Birthday on the Thursday, get back on the Friday and I think we'll probably go Derby on the Saturday. Might even might even venture to Notts County. Depends if we've got a squad to put out for that game. Yeah, well we went to Accrington last year, didn't we? And we, we did. I remember we parked up with well, when we won't go back through the story of how we got home, um, of course. You know, we talked about that on the podcast, uh, to be honest. But yeah, when we turned up at Appleton, it was quite funny, wasn't it? The, uh, we were 2 0 down in the first couple of minutes or something. Yeah. By the time we basically walked from the car to the stadium, we were losing 2 0. 
It was nil-nil for us, wasn't it, that match? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nil-nil. We didn't do that bad. Oh, we didn't do, didn't do that great either. Um, I have to have spotted something. Wednesday the 14th of February, for all you lovebird Stoke fans, QPR at home. <laughs> it's going to be a few tough calls going there. <laughs> Mm, yeah, well, um, I don't, I don't celebrate, I celebrate Valentine's Day to be honest. I've been with the wife now for, God, eighteen years, something like that. Anywhere. No, she's she, she's now she's fine Un, under the thumb and all that. Um, <laughs> that's her, not me. Uh, and yeah, she, she uh, we we don't do it to be honest. We we do the the day after Valentine's Day. You can You'll figure be that one out. Me there, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be with you. Um, anyway, we we we, we digress. Uh, any other particular fixtures you wanted to kind of bring out at all other than obviously the New Year's Day and the Christmas ones we've, we've talked about? Uh, no, I think like I say, I think uh, October just stands out and this is the key month um, as the runs that. Would you like me to run through a few uh, little bits and bobs that I've pulled together from looking mm. at? No, I've got some stuff on the Rotherham game which I'll get to at the end, uh, but so now the 23 home games are on Saturdays or bank holidays. Uh, the four midweek home games are Southampton on Tuesday the 3rd of October, Leeds on Wednesday the 25th of October, Swansea on Tuesday the 12th of December, and QPR on Wednesday the 14th of February, as we just said. So they are the four home midweek games. 19 out of 23 seems a lot more than what we've had in the last couple of years, and so obviously with the World Cup and catching up from COVID, that there's been a lot. The season seems to have been crammed in a lot more midweek games there, don't they? But uh, yeah, for those for those who obviously, um, like I say you can get midweek games and Sky show a lot more, don't they, on the red button and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot less. It appears on there. Well, I wanted to ask you about that actually. Sorry to jump in. Um, you know the whole like the new TV deal and stuff that's kind of yeah. coming in. How do you think that will affect the midweek attendances at Stoke? So if that doesn't come until next season, does it? That new TV? No, deal? no, next season. It's just I, I meant yeah. to ask you the other week. To be honest, when we were kind of we started to have that conversation and we got distracted, but I know it's kind of next year. But when that comes in, seeing it's still a topic to to, to discuss. I mean. I imagine that the attendances will be affected. Uh, I can't how yeah. honestly how they won't be unless we are really successful. Any team that's successful, you want to go and watch your team. If we have a bit of a bad run, I imagine the same thing will always happen. Numbers will drop off. You know what? I think all you need to do is look at the look at what it's like at the minute for midweek games because every home game is available on the red button anyway. So there's not really much change from that, is there? <laughs> Um, you know, if, if you didn't kick off Saturday three o'clock, you can you can watch the game on Sky, you know, by the AG red button or it being shown on a channel. I think you do see that there's a, a drop off. Um, I think the winter months there'll be a drop off because yeah, when people go, um, I've got to go, got to go down there. I've got to drive down the ground, get some park, walk down. It's probably minus two outside, or I could stay no. in and watch it. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to do it, are they? It's your hard winter months. Uh, and I think, like you say, if the, but if the team are playing well, people want to be there, people want to experience it. If, it's a, if it feels like a chore to go and turn up and you're just doing it out of habit or whatever, uh, which, you know, let's be honest, a lot of you know, football fans, that's what we do, isn't it? You, you don't give up on your team, you keep going, and sometimes it is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of fear of missing out and, and just, like I say, habit of just going and you know well no I go every week but if the team are playing well I think you'll see your attendance he's all old up 
it'll be when they when they're not performing that they'll probably dip off and you'll see more people watching it at home. However, the extra money that they are coming, I think, will probably far exceed any loss of gate receipts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And like you say, I mean, it's, it's probably we probably won't see anything you don't normally see really uh, i i agree with you i think the whole cost of living is an issue as well we, we're not going to go into this now but again the, the more costs that are around in the world do you want to take your kids to the match do you want to petrol you know food at the ground which no you know is always extortionate um, yeah. people aren't you, you can give them tea. you can give them the, you can give them the dinner before they go and well you could call them mcdonald's and get them there because it'll be cheaper than getting to the ground but they'll still want something when they get there <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course they will. Um, but yeah, sorry, I interrupted your uh, your stats. You carry on. Yeah, sorry. sorry. So there's five midweek away games. Um, so I don't know if you fancy any of these midweek trips, Mark. Uh, Huddersfield Wednesday the twentieth of September. Uh, QPR Tuesday the twenty eighth of November. So that's QPR home and away in midweek. Uh, Watford Friday the twenty ninth of December. So I think because of us playing New Year's Day and uh, Boxing Day, the Saturday games all been shifted to Friday. Um, Leeds, so that's Tuesday the 5th of March and Swansea the Wednesday the 10th of April seems to be play, we play Swansea midweek away every year don't we <laughs> we do and I will not be going to Swansea away the only one that I'd be honest with you actually interests me out of that um, is Huddersfield, I think I went to Huddersfield last season I swear it was Huddersfield you did with Andy um, yeah I thought it was and you know what it was actually it was a pretty you know, decent journey decent stadium um I remember me, we, me and Andy went in the Huddersfield uh, shop and they actually had the uh, the fan zone, which obviously, actually, that's been a bit quiet recently on the fan zone front. I hopefully we'll get an update on that from the club soon. But, um, yeah, um, that was the first time I saw the fan zone. And I was like, OK, if Huddersfield Town can do this, Stoke City certainly can. Um, and, yeah, let's, let's, let's hope we, we act on it. But, yeah, in answer to your question, Huddersfield is probably the only one I want to go to that. Fair enough. Well, international weekends. If you want to, uh, if you're looking at get yourself uh, a little break, or you got something, pl- you got to plan something. Uh, there will be no EFL football, well, Championship football, uh, in the weekend of the 9th of September, 14th of October, 18th of November, and the 23rd of March. So you've got four international breaks. Uh, those are the weekends where there will be no no uh, Championship action. Uh, just a little thing, if like I say, if you I mentioned before, if you swap the relegated uh, teams in with the promoted teams and all that, obviously I've got something on Twitter and Facebook that explains how we've done it. Uh, but yeah, the first seven games that we played this season, we lost all of them, and we actually didn't score a goal in the first five. So that wasn't. So it's not looking great on that. So I'm sure Alex Neil will be sorting that out for us though, and uh, switching that around. Certainly will if he wants to keep his job. <laughs> um, Right, so we had the run-in, the air for the run-in scale, we actually won six of the last nine games in the corresponding fixtures last season. Uh, hopefully we can continue that bit and have a nice run-in. Uh, with the Rotherham game, though, so it's actually quite a thing. They've, uh, we've won what? They only won one of their last seven fixtures at the end of last season. So a bit like ourselves, they didn't end the season in, in good form. And you know that obviously we're trying to um, stop any sort of bad negative momentum, aren't we, by... Yeah, we're changing completely everything around the club, aren't they? From players to coaches to you know, backroom staff to just you know, 
administration staff a lot. The whole club seems to be, you know, chain inside out until over the summer. And hoping sort of like, you know, a reset in the mentality and that. But Rotherham obviously don't look to be going through that themselves. And you do wonder a bad end to the season can quite often just snowball into the following year. Uh, we certainly saw it a few years back, didn't we? So, yep. yeah, they say they only won one of the last seven. They only had two away wins in the whole of last season, which was a 1 0 win at the Bet365 Stadium. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> Uh, and then they also won one, and that was in October, and then they also won 1-0 away at Sheffield United in November. Uh, so that was their last their last day. So both of them games, incidentally, were on a Tuesday night. Um, so, Wasn't yeah, that so, one where we had like 300 shots and we still it, lost one? Yeah. It was indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's a couple of interesting facts for you. When was the last time that Rotherham won an away game in the Championship not played on a Tuesday night. Jesus. One, tell us. 20th of March, 2021. Okay, wow. They played 21 games at weekends or like Wednesday, Friday, whatever, since then, and not won a single one. That, though... Was played that was in the COVID season when there was no fans. So do you know? Do you know when the last time they won? They the last time they won an away game with fans present that wasn't played on a Tuesday night. Twenty eighteen, the, the 9th of April two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> we was we was we were flying our ninth place in the Premier League back then, <laughs> and um, so yeah, so that is like, and they played quite a few seasons. So the last three seasons with fans, 2016-17, 2018-19, and 22-23. So that's the last three seasons. Do you know how many away games in total, or what total away games that they've won in their last three full seasons of the championship with fans present? Ten. Three. Jesus Christ. In 2016-17, they picked up two points from 23 away games. Anybody calling for a charity? <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what, you don't, you, with them stats, Dan, you just might as well just we'll cut this bit and you can put this into our Rotherham preview uh, bit. Yeah. You, do, you got all the stats ready. You don't even need to do this again. <laughs> um, however, they have won three and drew one of their last four opening day fixtures. So that's slightly balanced out a little bit. Um, but yes, it, it was certainly interesting. But yeah, they don't travel well, do they? They won three, three out of sixty-nine games the, with the team presence. that don't travel well versus the team that don't win well at home. That sounds like a boring game, don't you think? Nil, nil, anyone? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's my there's my early prediction for our pod in a, in a, in a few weeks' time. Nil, nil, just to start us off. Not not when we not when some of the players we are bringing in, but you won't be singing nil nil by the fifth of August, mate. Don't you worry. Um, I'm all that. That's me done. I'm all done there. Oh, Carabao Cup. Okay. Uh, it's going to be playing midweek, isn't it? Like you said, between you know the first two fixtures, that's week commencing the seventh of August. Possibility of it being on TV, just at West Brom, I'd say. You know, they're probably going to be three or four games midweek. Because the Premier League won't have kicked in until the following weekend, so there'll be 
you know, Sky were desperate to fill a few a few nights, weren't they, worth of action. So uh yeah, two two decently followed championship sides playing each other. You can uh, maybe actually wouldn't surprise me to see it picked for one of the nights. Well it'll be there'll be a ticket offer there, won't there? It'll be like ten quid or something, ten, fifteen quid to get in max. The club won't be charging full price there. No, uh, the kids a quid as well. I mean, kids a quid for every league game, so I'd imagine it'll be kids a quid for the cup game as well. That, that's just it. Now they've nailed the head to the mast a little bit there. Uh, yeah. they, they, they really can't afford to charge more than that, really. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention just before we move off uh, fixtures, actually, last game of the season is it a promotion party or are we fighting out for 16th place with Bristol City at home? Um, Again, not a bad finish in theory. Um, we don't obviously know what type of Bristol is going to turn up, of course, in, in, in May you know, next year. So there's a long, long way to go. But um, not a bad fixture to finish on, just like there's not a bad fixture to, to start on. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we'll see how that goes personally. But I just thought we'd acknowledge the, the last game of the season. At least it's not... I mean, I know we've got Southampton and Plymouth before that, so good luck to the people uh, travelling to Southampton away uh, the week before. But, yeah, hopefully it can be a bit of a promotion party, mate, or at least give us something to play for. That'd be nice. Is the weather nice enough for a weekend in Southampton at the end of April? Um, no. <laughs> no. I, I'm not having it, mate, because we had Blackpool in this division for a few years, oh. and every single time oh, yes. we played them... Mm, Oh, yes. Have you seen their fixtures? No, I haven't. Uh, second game game of the season for them, August. Who have they got? Poor Vale. <laughs> August. Uh, lucky sods. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, let's move on from the uh, the fixtures now. I think we've done that one today. So hopefully everyone's got a good overview of how things are going to look. Um, I guess, where do you want to go next? I mean, we've had, of course, the new strip and everything come out, mate. Have you seen the hideous Hawaiian range just before I go into that that Stoga released? What the flipping hell? And that is pointing mildly because we've got children that listen. What the hell are you thinking, Stoke? It's an absolute disgrace. Well, who's thought that was a good idea? That's Josh, awful. Obviously, Josh Loren, didn't he? He's loving it. Have you not seen him modelling it? <laughs> he knows everything. Jacob Brown, if you look at his face, he's looking at that and he's thinking, oh, God, what have I done? Is, is it too late to go to Vail or something? He's, he's, he's ready to go off. And I, mean, I don't even know who that kid is. I'm assuming he's one of the youth players. Uh, but, um, yeah, I guess we trying to just cobble together whatever players we could to take pictures. And there's no way they've looked at them and thought, oh, I'd love some of these. Anyway, sorry, I've kind of gone off of, of a tangent there. I, I've got the strips up in front of me, Dan, just because uh, it makes life easier just talking about them. But um, yeah, I think you're not going to be taking on one of the Hawaiian shirts then, no? You're not going to be going away on your summer break, donning the Hawaiian kit then with the old uh, bucket hat and that? No, it's not even like they've tried to incorporate the Hawaiian into Stoke stripes, right? They've literally just gone, right, what's Hawaiian? Oh, I know. We'll put a bird, a couple of birds on there, uh, a few leaves, <laughs> a couple of twigs, and oh, we'll put, we'll put the Stoke badge on a couple of times just so we can, you know, we can sell it for about 50 quid. Let, let, let's do that. Um, I mean, the flip-flops, fine. Flip-flops, flip-flops, whatever. But it, oh no, I mean, I'm sure they took them off and burnt them as soon as he did it. Uh, anyway, t- talking about um, strips, and I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge the elephant in the room on this. Where the hell is the awake it? Well, what's going on here? I mean, it appears 
that we we are going to have one. Are you but sure? You know what? Yeah, but I'd quite like them to just... If, if they came out and said we're going to stick with last season of the week, I'd, I'd, I'd stand up and applaud. You know, that gif is where people stand up in the crowd and applaud. That'd be me. I would say, well done, Stoke. I remember a few years ago, I remember him saying that... And it wasn't just them. I think it came from the Premier League as well. And it's adopted down that you'd have a kit and you'd have one new kit a season. And why? What happened to that? Now everyone has like three or four, three, some four, even <laughs> you know, like new kits every year. It's a bloody expensive deal because they go up in price every year. You know, a couple of quid added on to them every year. I think ours is at fifty now, isn't it? Fifty. I'm, I'm not being funny, mate. I ain't paying fifty quid for a bloody football strip. No, <laughs> not a chance. It's not about money. I can I can afford it ten times over. The fact is, I'm out of pure principle. I ain't paying fifty quid for it. Yeah, so you've got the shirt. You, you, even if you just buy the shirt, you know the kids or whatever, it's fifty quid. You, you get three of them. It's one hundred and fifty. You know, if you well, want without shirt numbers and names on the back, just to point yeah, that out, with a massive panel that looks daft without naming a number on it. Um, but you know, if you if your half goes with you and she wants the shirt, you know, she 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 oh, I fancy the shirts as well. We'll get but again for both of us. You're talking 300 quid, then you know, suddenly you've got a couple of kids. Yeah, you, you, you quickly, it's going to be rolling towards a thousand pounds before you know it. Well, what good PR would it be, as you've probably alluded to there, if Stoke came out and said, Right, we are aware of the cost of living, even if it's absolute crap and they just have cocked up somewhere with an order or whatever it may be? Wouldn't it be good if they just said, Right, cost of living, we're conscious of everyone. Uh, what we're going to do, you know, the last season's kits were so popular, we're going to put them back on sale, 20 quid all season, um, buy them. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, first, I guess people have brought them last year. So, from a financial business perspective, it's probably not a good idea. From a PR fan feel good, maybe it would be. I mean, especially when all, I don't know, all of the actual sizes that people wore, unless you're seven triple XL, you know, then you know the the majority of the sizes didn't weren't in. I mean, that was some of the complaints again, wasn't it, about sizes? And um, I don't, yeah, I mean, clearly we're going to get a waste strip, and we were talking of it, obviously off a bit off coffee, really, but still. I think it would be a good idea. Um, I think it was a matter of time before a club does it for some good PR. It'd be nice for us to be at the forefront of that, but let's not hold the breath, eh? Yeah, I think there's probably some contract in there with the manufacturer about how many kits they can produce, because obviously they'll probably make money off each kit, won't they, and that. But I'm sure, you know, you can come to an agreement on that as well, can't you? you know? But... Like you say, it's probably not going to happen this time, but maybe even when this new clear, the new contract that they're going to be doing with Macron, why not say to them, you know what, they, we we want one new kit off you per year and we'll alternate yeah. it. And I suppose speaking about the strip we do have, um, and we won't talk massively about this, but the new home, sh- home strip, I mean... Before we start talking about the panel, I actually quite like it. If I'm honest with you, I, I know all you can really do with red and white is to either make the stri- you know, the stripes wider or the stripes thinner. You can't really do much unless they go back to the old days of trying to turn it into a hoop um, and all that crap, and that obviously didn't go down very well. So there's not much you can do. I think it looks smart. I think the collar looks nice. Um, beyond that, what can you do? I think the back panel. I guess if you're a player, it might look smart because you'll have your name and number on. 
but for the you know the common man, it does look a bit naff for me. Although the most successful, potentially most remem- memorable season that we had in regards to uh, what we achieved was getting to the FA Cup final in a shirt that was completely red on the back. Mm-hmm. We had better players at that point. Oh, we actually had players, sorry, Dan. <laughs> could be an omen. Maybe we could coax some of them out of retirement. <laughs> Can't, yeah, well, you never know. Crouchy's probably not doing much these days. Jermaine Pennant whipping some balls. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the strip anyway? I mean, is, is that on your, your shopping list? Are you going to wait for the, the sale, which is exactly what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'm, for... a, I'm a cheapskater. I'll wait until about April time and then get it when it's half price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> again, mate, again, it's, co- it's cost of living. Like, it's, 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 again, cost of living. Yes, absolutely. And as I've said, the principle, I am not paying 50 quid for a Stoke strip. And, you know, same thing as I won't pay fifty quid for a bloody football ticket. You know, there's there's lines, and I know it's only a couple of quid here and there, but you know, it's as you say, it, it's too much. And again, I've got red and white. I would potentially consider it if I loved the away strip, like the strips like this this last season were the best for many, many, many years. Um, you know that that for me, you can kind of justify it. But just to get another red and white, you know, top that I've got five of them in, in the wardrobe, big deal. So yeah, I'm not going to buy the Hawaiian shirt. I'm not going to buy the red and white shirt. Um, <laughs> maybe that is the shirt. Maybe <laughs> for Christ, that that would that would be uh, going first, wouldn't it? Hawaiian shirt, bloody hell. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about from a club perspective? I mean, I guess probably another one to maybe cover off and feel free to jump in. Um, I guess it's got to be the staff or lack of staff, I suppose. Um, bit, of, bit of a turnover, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, there's been, like, like we were into earlier on, there's been people, sort of admin staff leave, aren't there, in the, in the building, in the stadium, in all different departments. There's been coaches, academy coaches, fitness coaches, scouts, recruitment heads the lot seem to have gone out of the door um, I won't name names because you don't want to leave somebody out here <laughs> um, but I will say two big people coming in uh, one that's been sort of confirmed by Stoke Antic and one that apparently is waiting on international clearance so Alex Morris is coming from Crew. so he's been at Crew for 28 years joined him, as 12, joined him at 12 as a youth team player came through, played for them Injury forced him to retire, really. He was coach. He's been manager there. He's just been assistant manager. He's left his role as assistant manager to uh, take charge of our under-21s, be our under-21s head coach. Uh, lifelong Stoke fan, born in Kidsgrove. Um, and was a season ticket holder as a boy before he started playing uh, for crew. So, yes, he's... Um, Let's see, I think he's described as his dream, his dream club and all that. So he's uh, going to be a good link between the the under twenty one setup and the first team. Um, interesting, obviously, that they've replaced Michael O'Neill's staff, isn't it? They're getting the game rid of all. Yeah, and also long term staff. You know, people like you, know, Kevin Rus- Kevin Russell. Um, you know, people who've been here a long, long time, isn't it? Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Like I say, interesting that. He's been brought in, obviously, crew, you know, if, if, if there's any club sort of, you know, who've got a fine history of bringing youngsters through and selling them on and if the you know, crew 
not so much recently, but in a long time, have had that, haven't they? So you'd imagine that uh, yeah, there's this he's going to sort of you know, bring some fresh ideas and some and some interesting ways into into the under twenty one setup there. And didn't and Alex also, Neil work with him, Dan? When when um, I think he was at Crew, didn't he advise Crew or something like that? Alex Neil, I seem to remember reading. Oh, I haven't read that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was in the Sentinel earlier. I was having a quick, quick scan. I didn't read uh, masses of it, but I swear that joined them at Crew for something. I can't, I can't remember the the ins and outs, but I swear that's the case, which probably helped him to make the decision. But I think he's spot on, yeah. especially if it is a club who want to try and be sustainable. I mean, what's the best way of doing that other than bringing through youth players and people bang yeah. on about how good our youth team is? Well, let's hope, let's hope it is. I mean. I mean, crew live on bringing players through the youth setup and putting them in the first team, don't they? So, when it comes to integrating and making that step up, he's probably the perfect man to help you, Tez Gals, your Lowe's, um, you know, your Jack Griffiths, your, your DiMaggio, Wright Phillips, your David Cagboos and stuff, to make that journey from the under-21s to being in the first team. He's seen it so, so many times at crew over the last nearly 30 years so he'll know you know he got the experience and he can guide them and help them and I think that's what he's probably been brought in for and to, to make sure that you know we give them the best opportunity possible to succeed when they get in the first team because there's no point in being a great footballer up until the age of 18, 19 and then that last step um, it all going horribly wrong and you're out of the game at 23, 24. The, the other person who's coming in is uh, Jared Dublin, who's quite an, quite an interesting character to have coming in. He's going to be here as head of recruitment. Um, we've had him from Reading. He only joined there at the start of the year from Sheffield United in February, which when you think, obviously Sheffield United have had um, sort of very interesting financial position, shall we say, over the past sort of 12 months. That's probably why he left there because, you know, the head of recruitment in that kind of situation, he's probably thinking it's not really the role he needs to be at. Uh, out the frying pan into the fire, going to Reading. But I, I saw something that I think it was uh, Pete Smith and the Sentinel said that, you know, the Stoke had um, they'd gone to an outside agency. Uh, as, as for recruiting for this role and sort of, you know, this is what we want and they'd gone out and looked at all different people and then people had applied and they'd sort of, you know, gone out headhunting or whatever and came back with uh, with, with Jared Dublin. So um, he's American, isn't he? And obviously he's just waiting for a sort of international clearance and visa issues and stuff uh, before they can he can get to work. But yeah, I mean, that's two massive roles there for me filled. Um, long-term roles as well. I mean, Alex Morris is only 40. I believe Jared Dublin's quite young as well in the role. So Alex Neal himself, early 40s, you know, you can really see that there's a long-term project sort of being put together here, isn't there, as a group. And I think that's... An, I'm sorry, Dan, I, th- I think that's important. Uh, you, you mentioned the word project. Um I think, yeah, there's, there's got to be an element of project. You know, Alex knows what he wants, but I think, importantly, whoever we bring in here, I know managers like to surround themselves with their own staff and all that business, but we can't keep falling into this trap of, like, we had, you know, obviously Michael O'Neill's staff, you know, you get them in, they hover around when he leaves, and then eventually we wipe them all out and replace them again. Like, I just hope the staff we brought in is, is coming in now, whether Alex Neal's here or not. Like this is who he wants. Yes, he's got approval to say I want them, 
but they need to be here for Stoke City, not be here for Alex Neal. Let's let's remember if cards on the table. If we're going to be honest, Alex Neal walked out on Sunderland after promotion to come to here because he felt it was a better opportunity. If we are flying and doing really well, and I don't know, Everton are having a terrible season again and are 15th in the Premier League and they've sat the manager and they go, you know what, he's doing a great job at Stoke. We want him. Can we, after poaching him from Sunderland, then really, like, not say, well, he can't, he can't say he didn't see it coming if he jumps ship to go up another level? Obviously, he's an, he's an ambitious guy, and he wants what's best. And if that's if he sees that, and then he comes back and goes, "Well, I'm taking one, two, three, four, five, six of these people with me," then where does that leave Stoke? Well, what well, I know, I mean, I don't want to dig into the manager. I think it's unfair, but um, like when you say the leopard doesn't change its spots, well, like you said, I suppose what you're trying to say here is he's got form, um, and you've got to be careful. And uh, yeah, I. I agree. I mean, to be fair, there's no loyalty in football anyway these days, is there? Bar no, the odd. No, I'm, I'm not saying he's any. I'm not saying he's any different to ninety percent, ninety ninety five percent managers. Um, but like I say, and you, you can applaud him because you know he's ambitious and he's he's willing to put his neck on the line and and um, go forward. And I mean, just through blind loyalty of of turn maybe turn down jobs higher up the league and then six months down the line and been sacked because they lost four games in a row. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, maybe I should have took that move. And you know, like I say, he works it works both ways, doesn't it? Um managers, yeah. you know, the managers are quickly cast aside if results aren't there. So you can't really blame them if they if they take the plunge and, and move on while the going's good and the stock's high. <laughs> No, let's say fair enough. You, you, again, every, everyone, everyone looks after themselves. Yeah. Um, something else that's come out. I mean, I'm sure everyone's probably seen this, uh, but just in case you haven't, the pre-season schedule has been done since we last recorded a pod together. Uh, Notts County away on the eighth of July. Then we uh, nip off to the. Uh, is it the Costa Brava? Mike, are they going to? Yeah, they're off to Spain, aren't they? Yeah, they're off to Spain, uh, and they've got to get. I think they go to the tenth to the eighteenth. There's a friendly tenth, yes, tenth to the sixteenth. Sorry, uh, there's a friendly there on the fifteenth in Benidorm. Well, just outside of Benidorm, uh, quite, I know a few people who are going. Uh, did you fancy that trip? Is that a way you go? Um, you, you're going to remind me of the TV show Benidorm, and I've I've only ever seen three episodes of it, but I can just see you there, mate, sat of the pool, shirt off, hairy <laughs> chest, beer in hand. <laughs> I got I was mugged in Benidorm on my first night on a holiday there when I was fifteen. Let's go back. Um, but yeah, yeah I know. I don't think I could even convince the wife to go there. To be honest with you, I think. Uh, in fact, I've got, I've got, I've got an, enough breaks in July. I can't really afford any. <laughs> I really can't. She's spending enough money as it is. Uh, so, no, in answer to your question, I, I ain't going to Spain, but look, for the for the ones who do, Christ, have a great time. Like, if, yeah. if, if any of us, if we had the money and the time, the, the lack of family commitments or understanding family, you know, we can go and do it. We'd all do it. Of course we would. What's better yeah. than watching your own club in the sun, near to a beach, Oh God, that yeah, it's the dream, isn't it? Really, yeah, with a lot like you know, a few hundred, a few hundred or thousands of Stoke fans there as well. 
Fantastic. Notts um, County, if you don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, well, when we get back from there, we go Derby, 22nd of July. Uh, that's a Saturday, and that's for Craig Forsyth's testimonial. A bit random. I don't see any link between Craig Forsyth and Stoke. Not as I know of. Don't think he was ever here or as a youth player or anything like that. Maybe he's just thinks we'll get a decent following from us and he'll make a bit of money for himself or whatever charity he's choosing for that. Um, then we play Burton on the 25th of July, 7.45 kickoff. Uh, obviously, that's away as well. Uh, I believe that's for some cup or something I've seen, but I'll be honest, I've not got the information in front of me as to what it's for, but I know it's there's some trophy. Uh, they've got Everton at home on the 29th. So, yes, an actual home friendly this year. So... Uh, I suppose the, the people say why the uh, why didn't the announcement it so late? I suppose we had to wait to see if Everton were actually in the Premier League or not, didn't we? So uh, yeah, because I suppose if they were relegated, we wouldn't be playing them in a friendly. And I'm so, sure yeah. part of that was to do with some of the works that are going on, and I think that was the whole confusion. I think a little bit as well as yeah, there was rumours about only a couple of stands being open, which I think isn't is normal because it'll be low numbers anyway. There's not going to be people travelling from Everton, I don't think, to come to Stoke. Or if there are, there won't be many. Um, but, you know, I think there's a whole... Whenever they do any works, you know, they do... Um, you know, they have to get health and safety certificates signed off or whatever things there. But from, let's say, the people I spoke to, it was pretty much was like, well, what works? So I was like, <laughs> okay, well, nothing, nothing's going on then. So I was like, well, that's nonsense coming up. You know, I, was, I was hearing through there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I think it's a good idea. We, I personally would prefer a couple of home games uh, as friendlies rather than majority of it away. I mean, I get the camp in Spain, but uh, with our home form again, I, I wish we would have had, you know, maybe a couple of confidence boosters, if you like. I'm not quite sure Everton's a confidence booster, but... We could have home, home to Newcastle Town, home to Leek Town, home to, home oh, to Hamilton yeah. <laughs> Bring back the Newcastle Town friendly. You know what? That was the one thing growing up as a kid... I yeah. loved going to sit yeah. on the you know the the, the track. Um, you know, you'd have I, mean, I seem to remember you know um, Mama and I think I can buy at one point yeah. and all that and you know, you'd run past you and you go and give them the ball and it's like what the hell like you just none of that and I don't know what went on or whether we thought we were too big for Newcastle Town anymore or whatever happened. But I really miss those friendlies. That was a great day out with the family. Take the kids down. Take the wife who doesn't even like football, you know. Have a it's few always drinks. Well, it's always always a nice day. Yeah, and I've, I've, got, a DVD. I've got a DVD of one of them games, yeah. <laughs> we were selling at the end. We won seven, I think we won 7 1. Yeah, we did. 1 7 1. And uh, I remember that Mickey Lennon scored the goal from Newcastle Town because he was my PE teacher at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he loved that. I bet he still, you know, just watches that DVD all the time now, just to see that. Yeah, well, yeah, then they were selling them like three pounds. They'd like literally have the final whistle, they were burning them off, and you could go in and buy them straight away. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've one of them. Comes in like a little box with they did some photos on it. So, anyway. So, yes, anyway, but yes, I do agree with you. That fixture should come back. Whether, whether they stopped it when they stopped using the Lime Valley Stadium for like reserve games as much, uh, I don't know. But yes, it would be nice to have that friendly back as a, as a curtain raiser. I think it's, do you know what? Just to say, it's things like that that you were saying there. It improve. it just brings, little things like that just bring the club together. 
the fan base and the players and just it links them all together and it's <clears throat> I think yeah. you can you can sometimes undervalue the importance of games like that where the fans can get close up with the players and you know, and and you you get a, a little a different atmosphere. You know, everyone sitting on the running track, people just you know relaxing and all that, and just it, it, there's no pressure. You score a few goals, everybody goes home happy. Yeah, I used to love that. You know, the players that get taken off 50, 60 minutes in or half time, and you know, you you know the bit where the players would come out, not the tunnel because they didn't really have one. Did the Newcastle? It was like a, a fenced off grated area. Yeah. Um, and you know, you go through, and and there are the there's the Stoke players that as a kid, and also the younger kids, idolise. And oh my god, I'm I'm close to a Stoke player, and you go over and you talk to you, and uh, it, you're right, it was it was something unique, somewhat special that you don't really get any other scenario, to be honest. So, I remember, I think it was Abdullah Fire one year with, with um, somebody who was walking around, walking around just through the fans, just, just chatting with them. After he, he, like I say, he'd been subbed off after half time or an hour or whatever. He just put his flip-flops on whatever and was wandering around, talking to players, you know, talking to the fans. He you know, just had a lap of the ground. Just just chatting, you think you know things like that. It's invaluable when it comes to, like you say, knitting everyone together. And if you want to, every, if you want to go for promotion and all that, and you might not have the superstar squad that's going to walk the league, and you want that kind of, you want that, you want to bring everybody in as one. So the whole club is one. The fans, the players, the board. That everybody, everybody, ticket office staff, everybody, everybody is on the same page, and they all work together. Yeah, Bocha and John Parking could obviously get his pie as well. Top. Exactly. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> uh, one last thing in the news: the Under Twenty Ones League has had a bit of a rejig. So uh, they've booted a few clubs out. You, you have to have a Category One academy to be allowed in now. So there are 25 of them in the country. So they have been split into five groups. The groups have been decided based on your previous uh, three years history, I believe. Um, so we've had two decent seasons and then a, a, a sort of a poor one last year, if we're honest. Um, so, yeah, so they're going to go off that. Split them into five groups. You will play everyone in your group home and away, and then there will be about five games against teams from other groups. Whoever gets the most points, then the top 16 teams with the most points after all them games will then go into playoff matches. And uh, obviously you have a last 16, quarterfinal, semi-final, and then the winner will be decided in a final. The whole point of it um, is by making them into smaller groups than that, they hope to take away the importance of the result itself, because there's no promotion or relegation, because obviously before there was two divisions with... Uh, two up, two down. So if there's no promotion, no relegation, um, then what they're hoping, like I say, is that there's less importance placed on the actual results and more on development and improving players, which, if we're honest, is should be the prime and only concern for any underage coach is improving the players regardless of results. Yeah, exactly. And obviously playing against, you know, Man City's youth and Liverpool's youth and United's youth and all that because, you know, or potentially, you know, that's only going to improve the players um, yeah. rather than just the ones that are capable of getting into that division. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see it as a negative. Um, not sure it'll change our youth preview or anything like that um but 
No, I think we I think we already went along with that sort of um, thought process anyway. To be honest, I think we've always been for a long time a club that's not interested in wins and losses at that level. It's all you know how you know are the players improving? Are, how many of them are getting in the first team squad and are ready, first team ready? <laughs> Or even not even first team ready for Stoke, but how many of them are going to have careers? Because I think you know, if if you have a group of twelve under twenty ones and three of them end up in the first team squad at varying degrees, and the other nine, say I know six or seven of them end up in the league somewhere, League One, League Two, that you can probably say you've probably done a good job. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we're gonna. I'm just gonna ask you now. Throw some names out. So. I've, I've been jotting these down in the past few weeks and I've had another look today to see if I've missed anyone. Uh, these are players we've been linked with transfer-wise. I'm sure there's many, many more, but these are the main ones. Jaden Philogene Bidace. Apparently spent a couple of days down the training ground, close to signing, numerous people reporting it. Uh, Cardiff's fans are saying that he's... It was fantastic. Amazing last year for them. Um, by far their best player... You know, was was as the season grew and grew as the season went on. He was very raw when he came to us first time, but you could tell he had a bit of something, couldn't you? I personally would be more than happy to see him uh, pulling a Stoke shirt on next year. Yeah, I seem to remember he looked a tidy player, but he, he did look raw. Like his trickery was good. He had some pace. He was direct, which is great. Um, I don't think we were quite playing the right formation for him when he first came to the club. And as I said, the rawness of it and the probably lack of comfortable you know, structure uh, really just went against him. I don't think he had a chance to really progress. And like you said, Cardiff have been raving about him. So hopefully, you know, we, we set the scene. We went the appetite for us as a club. He's gone to Cardiff, learned his trade a bit more. And maybe now he'll come back and we'll see a, a, a different uh, Philogene. And I think he's actually dropped the name Bidace now. I think it's just um, Philogene or something like that, I think, is it? Um, but, yeah, e- either way, um, we might see we might see a different guy. Yeah, so we've been linked with three strikes, Kiefer Moore and now Ellie Sims. <laughs> any, uh, any, any preference on those three? Um... I mean, I don't think most Stoke fans, and I include myself in that, can say that I've really seen an awful lot of any of them. I think Lyndon Dykes, I seem to remember watching a little bit. It looked tasty. Um, Alice Sims, I know that people have raved about Alice Sims um, a lot. I mean, I would, I don't know. I, I think I'd, I don't want to, I want to reserve judgment if I'm honest, Dan, because, I, you know, we've always said we're honest on this pod, and I. I I've seen I've seen like little flirts of them. I, I've not seen enough to make a proper decision. I just want a goal scorer, and I haven't got the stats for them in front of me. Um, if either of them have got you know the ability to score fifteen um, plus a game, you know a season a game, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, fifteen plus a season, <laughs> then that will uh, that'll do for me. I, again, it, this isn't just about strikers. Yes, we need good strikers. But we need a team that supplies because last season for me, it wouldn't have made a difference what strikers we had up front at times. The service wasn't good enough. Um, so it's it, it's a combination. I mean, do you know a little bit more about those three? I, I, I'll be honest, like I said, I've seen little bits of them. That's it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've sort of championed for for Kiefer, Kiefer Moore before. I mean, he's just turned 30, Anthony, now as well. So I suppose if he does come in, he's, you're not really looking long term with that appointment, are you? Um, no. I mean, Lyndon Dykes is probably quite similar. I know he, he sort of had a bit of a quiet game for uh, for Scotland the other day and then last five minutes he scored one and then what I did like is I think people say like oh he doesn't score enough goals he doesn't get involved enough but I mean I think he's the kind of person you can build attacks around he brings he sort of brings a lot more than just goals like you can hold it up and you can bring others into play and I think if you've got if you can if you can get him working hard and, and, and you know pressing as well as holding the ball up when it comes into him and bringing others into play. And that doesn't mean you've got to lump 60-yard balls in the air to him. You can play it into his feet, you can play it into his chest or whatever, and get just get people to, you know, get him to put his foot on it for a couple of seconds, hold off the defender and lay it, in, lay it into somebody else. And I think if you if you can get like a Campbell, say, say Phil and Gene does come... <laughs> And you've got Philogene, you've got Brown, you've got Campbell playing wide. I know maybe even a Dimaggio, right? Phillips. You know, you've got those four, those four players, and you've got him bringing them into the game. If they're netting goals each because of how he, how he's playing and, and he's you know putting them in the position to to get shots off, then does he need to be scoring fifteen goals a season if he's helping them get double figures themselves? Um, not, not necessarily. I mean, I, I just. Just to jump in about the whole like Lyndon Dyke side of things, um, I just I've just been going through our every step along the way Facebook chat actually. Um, Connor Foster's just said literally I think only about ten minutes ago I think it says am I the, am I the only one who hates Lyndon Dyke's rumor? Uh, I swear he had one of the worst conversion rates in the league last year, and that's on and that's someone we should be looking at question mark. Um, and I think kind of Jake's replied to him and said, I get what you mean, but I think he'd be working better in our system. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, we we, you know, we want to try and sign players. We get linked to players and people are like, don't go and sign him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I think as well, like, do you think how bad a season QPR had from what October on was? I think they, they had less points than anyone in the division. And you've got Gareth Ainsworth who's come in and played... You know, you saw when QPR came down to Stoke what type of, what type of team they were. It was ridiculous. Route one, once it made Wimbledon look like Brazil, you know, the old Wimbledon side. Uh, you know, and you think you know, we aren't going to be playing that. And if you get good players around him, you're going to get more output from him. I mean, you, you think he, he plays for Scotland and they've had a great start, haven't they? Now Euro qualifiers. He's played four games. First four games of the qualifiers, he scored once and got three assists. I'll take so, that. Yeah, I mean, last five minutes, you were losing 1-0, weren't they, in Norway? Uh, he scores the equaliser. Two minutes later, he gets another chance. He's got, he's, you, most strikers would have tried to turn and get a shot away, especially having just scored. He saw somebody else running in a better position very unselfishly, just squared the ball and the, you know, the guys put the ball in the back of the net and they've won the game 2-1. That's the kind of striker you want to me, especially if you've got good players around him 
and he seems to be one who the better players you have around him, the better he's going to play. He's only 27, so he's going to come into his prime peak form into you now. Yeah, yeah, I think a couple of years ago he did score 12 goals for QPR. So I think there's, there's a player in there, and I, I, yeah, he's certainly one of them who, if he signed, I mean, this should go for any player. Let's be honest, but if he signed, I'd definitely be. You give him more than a chance to, to say, you know, yeah, okay, go out there and impress me and you know, show me, show me what you got. Uh, Ali Sims is sort of the other end of the scale, and the fact that he's quite young, isn't he? Um, so apparently, reports say you know, his work rate wasn't fantastic. I mean, uh, if that's the case, then I doubt, I doubt there's going to be much in that link, to be honest, other than paper tour because. Um, you, one thing Alex Neal has sort of proven is that he wants people who are willing to put in the hard yards and you know not shy away from from uh, you know being flat out on the pitch at the end of the game. He wants people who are who are going to run themselves in the ground, don't he? Yeah, and talk about people who were, uh, you know, I don't know what you said there, which actually reminded me. But obviously, Nick Powell might be going to play for Wrexham. So talk about players who. Um, like won't be running round for ninety minutes. He he was one of them. So clearly, uh, lots of players after him. Oh, sorry, lots of teams after him. Not. Um, so anyway, yeah. That's, sorry, you, whatever you said just triggered that in my mind. I think it was just a, a, a way for me to to slate the fitness of Nick Powell, to be honest. Uh, but mm-hmm. one point I wanted to. <laughs> sorry, it didn't take long. I've only it's only taken what um, an hour and fifteen minutes into this particular recording. So <laughs> uh, I promise I won't bring him up much this season. Um, um, but one one comment, Dan, I just wanted to to bring up before I do forget, um, Tom, about about kind of we asked for anyone who wanted to bring up any comments. Um, Tom's just said, uh, for me, always worrying when you're so many players short and nothing seems even close. Uh, but Ricky Martin's statement about not blowing the budget gives me some peace of mind. We can't make the same mistakes as the first uh, season down, which I think is what you referred to as well. He says, rumors I'm excited about is Pearson Sanderson. Knight, Philogene and Dykes. I think we need a goalkeeper right back, three centre backs, left back, three centre midfielders, two wingers and a striker. Whoa, wow. Uh, not all will be starting 11 quality, but we need a backup because if last season showed anything, it showed that as soon as one player gets dropped out of that starting 11 from a good run, it goes wrong very fast. Absolutely. Yeah. We, the lack of depth really showed at times, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I mean, look, look at the players we've been linked to. We've only got one real centre-half that we've been massively continually linked with. That's Dion Sanderson at Wolves. Um, and obviously, we've, you've got three of the loanees, Will Smallbone, Matthias Arkic, Ben Pearson, all heavily linked to come back. So you've got a couple of centre-mids and a keeper. Uh, and then two interesting links, um, Daniel Johnson. Obviously, Alex Neal was really impressed in uh, from what we can gather from what Preston fans are saying, there's, his legs have gone a little bit. Uh, he's still got it, but he's more of a sort of impact player from the bench last 25, 30 minutes. He can do 90 minutes, but don't be expecting him to do like, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Now he's 30, I think he's 31. Um, so, but I've, I've always liked Daniel Johnson. I think he, yeah, I, don't, he, I, I think I've said on here before, he, play, he always seems to play well against us. And he mustn't play to that level against everyone else because there's no way he'd still be hanging around in the you know, mid-table in the championship after all these years if that's how he played every week. <laughs> um, no. The other player is Jason, uh, Jason Knight at Derby. Um, 
I think they've is it Bristol City have been after him. I think they've had two bids rejected. Last one was one and a half million. Apparently Derby are hanging out for two million quid. Whether we feel we've got that, especially if we're probably going to be spending that on Phil Jean and Pearson as well. Yeah. But he's what, 20, is he 21, 22? Um, 21, 22 years old. So he's got a lot of time on his hands, a lot, probably a lot of experience. Uh, a lot of, sorry, opportunity to expand that uh, and get better. And obviously, you know, go, go sell them on for probably for a fortune in years to come, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Sarkic one, I think, is a, is nailed on. I'm not sure what the maybe the delay is or, or whatever it may be. Um, Sanderson, yeah, seems to be quite well linked. Um, there's, I think there's a few ones that are obvious. I think Pearson will come back. You mentioned uh, Will Smallwidge. Um, he he, uh, he he won't be coming back. The Smallwidge, by the way, is what Joshua called him, not me. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was funny. He's like, what's his name, Dad? Smallwidge. I was like, no, Josh, it's Smallbone. I see where I see where you were going with that, but <laughs> not quite. Um, so yeah, apparently Premier League clubs want him. So uh, forget that he ain't, he ain't coming here. Um, yeah, uh, again, we'll we'll, we'll see. You, you, it's really hard to tell what is paper talk and and what's actual fact. Uh, and I do wonder whether the chap who said that if he don't sign three players by Wednesday, then he's going to deactivate his Twitter account. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he did or not. But uh, mate, the amount of in the nose that came out of the woodworks um, in the last few days was quite um, quite hilarious, actually. <laughs> like just yeah, yeah. I, mean, um, I think yeah. I said something the other day, didn't I? We've got a lot. Is it another? We've got just under a week until they start back for preseason training. So as long as he's got some faces in for them, that's probably ideally what he wants. At least two or three, isn't it? And I think we've got then got. We've got another two weeks before the family starts, and we've got another six weeks until the season actually starts. And I know the long for me, the key time when he probably wants players in for, or the majority of his players, will be that trip to Spain. Because if you've got a new, you've got a completely new squad, haven't you? Bar seven or eight players. What you probably want is when you go away for a week and they're away from the family, there's no distractions, they've only got each other's company, that is a perfect opportunity to bond everybody together. Everyone's get to know each other and just, you know, living out of each other's pockets, whatever, and that will bring your squad, your new squad of people who don't know each other and just bring them together. And I think if you can get, if you can get what... Say we're going to be signing, I don't know, 12 players. It's, it's going to be around that anti ballpark thing, maybe a couple more, possibly, I doubt it'll be too many less. But if you can get the majority of them in, seven or eight of that 12, for example, in beforehand, I think you'll stand a lot better chance of it in the ground running come August. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's no. I mean, we're going to be signing double figures. Um, I don't think there's going to be any panic buying going on. He can't afford to do it. And I said this, the, you know, I don't know when it was. Podcasts all merging, merging into one now. But uh, I, I mentioned about like, you know, don't expect him to get a hundred percent of what he wants in this window. Like, if he can get seventy five percent of what he wants, he's done well. We need to try and get to the Christmas period. You know, the January window in touching distance of the playoffs and then he can go and finish his work. Um, you know, we need to be in a position where we can finish that. And if we can't, if we you know if we're miles away, hopefully we're not, but if we're miles away, then keep his powder dry and wait for the summer again. Uh, you know, we want this to be a, 
a one window or one season thing. The, the fact is, with all these overhauls of players and coaching staff and everything else, it's a massive ask, really, to expect anything, really. And again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I, I'm hoping for a great season. I just think for such an overhaul, it would have to be everything going absolutely spot on to have a really great season. And we know this club, it ain't, there's nothing spot on perfect that happens these days. So, um, yeah, let's keep, let's be excited. Let's look forward to the games. Let's hope we have a good season, something to shout about, finishing higher than flipping bottom half of the league. Um, fans finally coming back and being united with each other again. Atmosphere returning. And then let's just hope we finish well. And if we can get the playoffs and we, even if we miss out, you know, we get the playoffs and we miss out in the playoffs, whatever. Let's just have a little bit more progression than we've seen for the last five years because it's been bloody miserable, let's be honest. Um, and I want us coming on here, Dan, talking about positive things, you know, oh, Christ, referee robbed us. Not that we were crap. The referee robbed us last night. Yeah, I'd rather be saying that every week. Um, we just need something to shout about. Too far off, we have Well, no, no, some of them were a joke as always, but you know, yes, you can say one or two things the referee's done wrong, but half the time it was because we were crap anyway, we didn't deserve yeah. anything out of it. We can't have a referee bailing us out. Um, we, we need to be in control, we need to see progression, importantly. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll get there quicker. Purely said he wanted, what was it, a three or three or four-year plan, whatever he was when he came in, and he did it in two seasons. So it's not to say it's not possible, but let's not be jumping down his throat in September because we're not top of the league. You know, let's just be a bit realistic here. Um, but anyway, Dan, I'm going off a, a bit of a tangent. Uh, what do you want to... To carry on with, we're about an hour and twenty into this pod, I'd say roughly. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got slightly. I mean, well said on that, by the way. Um, Matthias Arkic has been away with Montenegro. Whether that's held uh, up, whether that's held up, thing because obviously I imagine he's probably been on a holiday before, and and then he's been to Montenegro. He played for them a couple of days ago. So whether that you know whether he needs to be present in the modern day do they just email him over a contract say hey, your agent says sign this <laughs> and uh, get it back I don't know but uh, yeah and uh, also one slightly bit of interesting thing before we move on to the, the quiz I've got for you uh, is that rumour has it here that Paul Ince has just gone from 100 to 1 to 4 to 1 to be the next Sheffield Wednesday manager yeah that was weird wasn't it um I mean, Paul, I don't know what Paul Ince has done to justify Why this. Man, Darren Moore, what's that, Darren Moore, to bring in Paul Ince, really? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I really don't get that. I mean, clearly, you know, I, I, I saw the comments that the Sheffield um, owner, you know, is, is aiming for playoffs this year. He's like, he does realise what teams are in this league, doesn't he? I was just like, the championship is going to be brutal next year. They'd be lucky if they survive, never mind trying to go for playoffs. So he clearly, Darren Moore's gone in and gone, you know, if you've had that chat, okay, well, Darren, we want you to go and get promotion this year. He's like, promotion? Like, mate, well, let's just stay up, shall we? And they've obviously had an argument and it's been, right, well, that ambition isn't good enough for us. So um, you sacked, oh, oh, let's look at mutual termination instead for the public. Uh, clearly, that's how it's gone down because right? that is completely unrealistic expectations. Like, even their own fans wouldn't expect a playoff push. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they finished third, 
but if he stayed with it, like points total that would have won League One 11 out of the last 18 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they didn't exactly have a bad season. He brought them back from the dead in the playoffs as well after losing the first leg 4 0. You know, whatever. If they lost the playoffs, then fair enough, you could understand it, but they didn't, they won't. So, but, well, that's, that's, their, that's their problem, isn't it? That sounds like an owl's problem, not a, not a potter's problem. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, right, I'm going to give you a quiz now, mate. You know, I was hoping I was going to get away with that flipping quiz. I, well, unfortunately, I said I don't I, like them. <laughs> the, 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 the listeners have spoken and they've said, more quiz. Give me quiz. So, we actually need to uh, regroup on the listeners' comments, actually, Mr. Daniel. Uh, we, we've had, yeah, yes, we you've do. Submit, you've submitted numerous forms, have you, that said no quiz? <laughs> um, I, I tried my best, uh, but no, we, we've had Mark, yes, Michael S, <laughs> M Stocks. <laughs> um, actually, no, because it was all anonymous, remember? I don't have a clue who left those comments, but again, just do it. Thanks to everyone who did it. I will sit down with Dan before the first uh, game of the season preview will. We weren't making any dramatic changes, will we, to the, to the podcast structure? You know, we know it works. You like, you know, you all like it. It was very clear from that. Uh, we're just going to probably add some things in that you guys have asked for and stuff like that, really. So, um, but yes, I think a curry or a Chinese calls for that. What you're going to buy me a Chinese for every podcast we do? Is that that's what I just did? <laughs> No, I said, I think if we were to go over this stuff, this equals for a curry or a Chinese. Oh, right. I, I thought you, I thought it was, you know, because obviously McDonald's has been the adverts that talk sport have been pointing out recently on this podcast. And I thought, you know, I really did ask as part of okay. the. Uh, you the, can come round to my house and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a McDonald's. <laughs> no, we didn't actually, by the way, we did not set that up. Set that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I did ask to see if they would give us McDonald's and they went away and asked and I think the polite answer was no. <laughs> so, okay, fine. Hi. Yeah, I'm going to start promoting KFC then. Uh, <laughs> anyway, crack on with the quiz. I'll uh, I'll disappoint us just to kick off uh, this new season, eh? Post pictures of KFC buckets upside down in red. <laughs> yeah. Right, question number one. This is all about... Opening day goal scorers. Okay. Question number one. Which lonely centre-back scored both goals in our 2-0 loss away at Millwall last season? Um, His father was a former Stoke player. I don't remember bloody last season, mate. Christ. Um, well done for wiping it from your memory. That's good. Oh, what? 
Centre back, two goals. Ooh. His dad used to play for Stoke, got promoted. I don't even remember who we were playing. I've got Millwall in here, but I don't know. Yeah, it was Millwall. Yeah. It was Millwall. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know Millwall from Leeds. Oh, um. Oh, yeah. His dad also used to play for Leeds. Oh, for God's sake. Um, oh, she's bugging me. Oh, I've got, I've got it on the tip of my tongue, mate. Oh, no, no I, can't, I can't. Sorry, I can't remember. It is CC. Charlie. Oh, Creswell. Creswell, yes. Uh, question number two who scored a debut winner from the bench in our 3-2 win over Reading and the opening day in August 2021 oh from the bench so oh, I tell you one one person who was um, on the ball uh, that day was uh, Tommy Smith I remember rightly didn't he deliver some David Beckham-esque crosses he did yeah, um, so I'm trying to think now. I've got Nick Powell on the head. He scored the first goal. He scored, yeah, I'm remembering the goals now. So there was... Oh, I'm trying to think now. Free kicks. I think I think it was a free kick from Tommy Smith that Powell scored. Um, trying to think of the other goal scorers were because oh, Tommy Smith had two assists that day, didn't he? He did. Why have you asked me to remember these things? I'm really not great at remembering these flipping these flipping games. Um, okay, right, let me think. Be- oh. Oh, yes, I remember. We thought he was going to be a superstar striker. Uh, it was Sam Sturridge, wasn't it? Yes. First yeah, bit of audio we got to this, this podcast, I think, wasn't he? First bit of yes. audio from a Bournemouth fan who told us how great he was and... Yeah, I remember because Nick Nick Powell absolutely on a T for Powell. Um, if I remember rightly, the Jacob Brown was another delivery from Smith, and then Sam Surridge was that that fluffed. He turned into yeah, yeah. He spun in the box, didn't he? Hit it, and the keeper got onto it, and he went. There we go. Opposite corner. <laughs> right, which QPR player now an England international or ran from the halfway line? Asked numerous defenders to net the winner in the opening day in in August 2019. Halfway line, oh my god! Why would you expect me to remember this crap? I, um, I, didn't, I did this off the top of my head. Did you have to look? <laughs> Mid, midfielder. So QPR player, now an England international. Think of that one. Well, I remember picked up the ball, ran the hole. Jordan Hughes doesn't play for England. England got a oh, good sh- I, I, no, I, I missed that because. So, oh God! The first, the first player. The first we, goal, is this sorry. recently? Is it this guy's recent call? Yes, it is. Is that? Is it that easy? Yeah, easy, ever, easy guy. I say, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Ever, I don't know anything about him to be honest. That yeah, he's a fantastic player. Very like he, um, the first goal, Jack Butler come running out of his area, completely like oh, yes. up, and they had an open goal. Didn't they after about three minutes? Yeah, um, and uh, I think Nathan Jones was the manager at this point, and then there's the second goal uh, as they picks it up in the centre circle. 
run past one defender, runs straight through the middle of two other defenders, and just like rolls it past Butland for two for the second goal. And didn't Sam Cooker score our goal? I think he did. Yes. Yeah, I remember now. Uh, we were all full of that optimism that day as well. <laughs> Uh, question number four. Our opening day 3-1 loss versus Leeds in August 2018 from the Premier League. We we had four debutants, including an entire new front three. Who were the four players making their debut that day? Okay. So, making the debut that day... I'm just thinking of the team now. God, I'm trying to remember when people bloody joined. So there's four, um, but three of them were the front three anyway. So it's the front three. Yeah, I mean, didn't... Um, what's his face? Um, it was... Oh, Christ. One second. I'm just having, I'm just, I mean, if Phoebe scored a penalty, was was he a debutant? Was he? Uh, you tell me. Yeah, I'm going to go, go with a Phoebe first. Yes, a Phoebe. Um... So he was down the middle. So we had a player either side of him. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the team. Um, We've just been talking about one of them's dad. Right, because we. I mean, I seem to remember. Being, I was. I don't know. I was. Yeah, I was in the pub watching this and full of confidence, thinking we're going to walk the league, and it didn't quite work like that. Okay, so it would. We came down. Didn't was James McLean another one? James McLean was on the left. Oh, and we've just been talking about bloody Ince. It's Tom yeah. Ince, isn't it? Tom Ince, yes. There's your front three. Oh, so is it another one? So there's one more. One more. So it'll... Oh, will it be defense? I hope the say it was midfielder. Oh, midfielder. Joe Allen. No, Joe Allen was... Uh, Joe Allen but it was never Jordy. Where the sports he was, ignore me, bloody Joe Allen. Um... <laughs> We were in the championship in the first place. <laughs> and some people I can't remember because we had because the other like centre midfielders were, I remember Bojan being the game, Etebo and Ndai. Yeah. So but I don't remember in which order they actually started the game. I'm gonna go for Ndai just in case. So Ndai signed in January, didn't he? And he actually had a pretty decent second half of the season when we got when we came down. Oh, it was Etebo then. And it was Etebo, yeah, because Ndai wandered around in that Leeds game as if to say, I am not playing in this division, mate. <laughs> you can... Yeah, I remember. And then it select... came out, there was loads of bad attitudes around the club. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You can select me if you want, but I am not doing anything. <laughs> yes, I remember now. I see I've tried to my best to wipe these games from my memory. <laughs> Um, question number five which Premier League legend scored the only goal as we lost 1-0 at Goodison Park in August 2017 so the season we did get relegated who scored the only goal as we lost 1-0 on the opening day at Everton mm, that would oh right no I know I know um it was um, certain Mr. Rooney, wasn't it? Was it? It was. was yeah, yeah. And his yeah. comeback to Everton. <laughs> and get a goal that I had completely wiped from my memory. Well, so I turned around and was like, I have no recollection of this. <laughs> well, funny enough, if you remember rightly as well, do you remember what ex player was playing in that team that day? 
you remember? Um, for who? For Everton. Andrew Begovic, you know, he joined Everton after that, didn't he? Long while last week. He's a defender. He still plays for Stoke right now. Phil Jagiel? Well, Phil Jagiel doesn't play for Stoke now, does he? But Wow. He did do. Yeah, kind of, I'll let him go. But you're right, yeah, Phil Jagielka. Mm-hmm. Um, he was playing. Um, hang on, wasn't Ashley? Wasn't Ashley Williams in that? I'm trying to remember the bloody team. Now I have to go back and have a look. Um, yeah, well, yeah, Christ. Was Kurt Zuma playing for Stoke? He played for Stoke that season, and then he went to Everton. Kurt, Kurt Zuma was. Um, Berahino was playing for us back then as well. I, 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 I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't remember who was playing alongside him, but Berahino, yeah, just sold on out of it, shall we, and replaced him with. Chupomoting and SA. Yeah, Chupomoting with the best agent in the world. Mm. Uh, even, it shows how good by Munich are. Even he can get double figures. <laughs> yeah. Um, question number six. We've only won, we only won one opening day game in our 10 years in the Premier League. It was a 2 0 win at home to who in August 2009? It was a really, I remember this game. It was really comfortable. 2 0 win. They'd just been promoted. Oh, Hull. No. Was it Hull? No. No. So um, they, they'd just come up. No. And it was like, and we went, obviously, the season before, we'd was our first season. So we'd been struggling a bit and then had a great end to the season, didn't we? And then we started this 2 0. I thought, wow. We, oh, Burnley? Yes. Really, I thought to myself, well, we now look a class above this side <laughs> they've just promoted. Um, and yes, 10 years we had there. Uh, question number yeah. seven Ryan Shawcross scored a debut winner away at, at who? Away against whom, should I say, in 2007? That was Cardiff, wasn't it? It was indeed Cardiff. Uh, question number eight in 2003. We played our last friendly after the season's over, which was that 3-1 friendly win over Manchester United. Yeah. But who did we beat 3-0 away from home in that first game of the season a few days before that friendly? Oh, yeah. Oh, mate, I remember that. That's when we thought we were big time for... Uh, what's his name? Um... Iwalumo, we, we scored, didn't he? A good fellow scored against United. Yeah. Yeah, oh my God, mate, I remember that. <laughs> it was amazing. Everyone, like, the stadium was full. Oh, what a game that was. Diego Fall um, scored an absolute blinder for Man United as well from about 35 yards. <laughs> Put in the top yes. corner. To make it 1 1, but then we ended up, was it 3 1 we beat them, was it? Yeah, I think good fellow Chip Barthes in the ball yes. hit the crossbar, hit him on the back of the head and went in, in front of the booth and end. Oh, yeah. Um, in answer to your question, um, I'm not sure. I, I, I was, I think I, I was too young to remember it. I was only a young lad. It was 3 0 went away at Derby. Um, yeah, I would never have yeah. got that. So I think Lewis Neal, Gifton Noel Williams, and I think off the top of my mind may have been Carlos Saab got the other goal. But anyway, um, it was 3-0 win away at Derby. And I think that was another squad 
that Tony Peele's put together literally 72 hours before the game started. I'm sure we signed like half the side in those last three days before the game and chucked them all in and they just, they won that game. They beat Man United. They beat, I think it was Wimbledon the week after and we were like top of the league. <laughs> I think we went and obviously we, again, we'd only just stayed up the season before and because that was the first season back in that division and again it was like oh wow we've you know we've rebuilt the squad over the summer and now we're looking completely different and I think we, we may have even sort of been top into September and that um, there was that game against Ipswich that might have been that season when we were topping you know the end of, towards the end of September and then it all sort of fell apart fell away <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was a nice start and something hopefully we can uh, you know, re- reenact that start this year. Or are we 20 years on? Nice, uh, yeah, final question. Who scored a double on the opening day in 1996? Oh my God, mate. <laughs> it was a start of a run where he scored in the first five games of the season. So think about the era. Think about what player was likely to go scoring. Well, I see Peter Thorne comes straight to mind. Either really for Peter Thorne. A little bit too ninety-six. Thorne was more like, uh, well, a year after, actually. <laughs> Bad. There's no way I'm going to remember this, by the way. I was only eight years old, so I don't know is the answer. My first Stoke hero, Mike Steve. Sheeran. Of Sheeran, Sheeran, run, 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 Sheeran, run, 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 the Sheeran, run. Yeah, I was only eight years old, mate, so I would never have got that. I'm afraid. So yes, I think you're doing very well there, Michael. Hopefully, uh, you know, let us know how you got on, listeners. How did your memories of past games gone by? I think, I think, uh, you know, the fact that you've wiped some of them games from your memory is actually a positive. <laughs> yeah, it takes a bit of time for the me- memory to come by. It's only when you're talking through, it's like like triggers little memories. But uh, some some of my long term memory is absolutely shocking for some of these games. But you don't, um, you do, some of them you don't want to be in your memory. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, how, how does it feel to be back? It's it, yeah, it's 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 really good. I mean, this is the the March of season three of the podcast, and what 115 episodes in. Um, yeah, we've. I see what this season brings. I mean, I know we haven't technically been away as such, but you know, um, feels like the first proper podcast to me. This one, Dan, where we're kind of back at it, talking about the games, fixtures, etc. So, yeah, uh, it feels couple, very good. Yeah, we've had a couple that way recently where you know we haven't actually been sitting down recording much, have we? We've just you know either been working, pulling pods together from previous, you know, previously come out or. Or we just sort of, you know, either one of us has been you know, sat down talking to somebody. And yes, yeah, nice to uh, get back in the flow of it tonight. It is, absolutely. And if, if you're new to the to the podcast, um, please do subscribe, etc. It makes life a lot easier. Uh, we release pods generally every single Friday. Uh, we've never missed a podcast uh, up to now. And we don't, implant, we don't actually plan on missing any either. Uh, so you're very much one-stop guide. Never let you down, never miss a pod, win or lose, we'll always be covering it. So, um, yeah, I guess 
Dan, when when's the next pod that we're we're releasing again? You you've got the the best memory for when the next recording. So uh, we're back on it now. Uh, I think there's there's one week in July that we won't be recording um, a podcast, which we've got a sort of a special coming out then. But other than that, yeah, every Friday uh, we're going to be jumping together and uh, you know getting a recording done. It might not be as long as this one because it depends it depends what we've got to talk about. Yeah, preseason training starts uh, next week, so we'll see. You know, our players have come back. Any news? Uh, players coming in? Maybe even players going out. Something to talk about. <laughs> I'm not quite sure who gonna, who we can afford to let go, but I, yeah, I, I, I get I get your meaning. But yeah, if there if there's a, if there is a flurry of of signings, don't be surprised if we do an, an extra pod or something um, and and squeeze it in a little bit like this one. You know, we didn't want to script. Yeah, you know, we don't script anyway, but we didn't really want to have a massive structure behind it. We wanted it to be a bit more of a casual chat. This one, um, but. Uh, yeah, unless there's anything else for, for us to say, Dan, I think we can sign off there. It's now midnight. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we shall see you all next week. See you all later. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.